You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. God certainly does want us to obey His commandments implicitly, but that's not the way that an individual becomes a saint of God. It's simply by exercising our faith in Jesus Christ. So therefore, these people were not saved by living faithful lives. I mean, come on, right? The truth be told, it's not on the basis of our performance whereby we've been saved. Thank God. Right? The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Nothing you've done has given you a right to salvation or earned you a place in God's kingdom. It's simply by the grace of God that you've been welcomed in. Because Christ died for the sins that you committed, God can look at you as being sinless and righteous. As Pastor Mike will remind us in today's message, this certainly isn't an excuse to live however you want and ignore the commandments of Scripture. In fact, it should have the opposite effect. It should inspire your obedience out of gratitude. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 as he continues his message, Christ's Gifts to His Church. Now, let's consider the word saint. Where does that word even come from? Well, the word saint that's translated from the Greek manuscripts into our English word saint is related to the word sanctified. And of course, you know the word sanctified simply means to be set apart. That's all that it means. So these people that Paul is writing to are individuals who have been set apart by God. So that's the idea. When the sinner trusts in Jesus as a Savior, he is taken out of the world, he is then regenerated, and then he is placed in Christ. That's his new position. And also the company of the church. So look around. The person sitting next to you and in front of you and in back, uh, back of you are saints. The believer is in the world physically, but not of the world spiritually. God has given to us a new nature. There are new loyalties. We have then a new agenda. Remember the prayer that Christ prayed for all of his disciples, and not only those that were present in his company when he prayed that prayer, but going, looking forward down the road to 2019, considering you and I, and he prayed this prayer. It's in recorded first in John's Gospel, and it's going to be broadcast. I have given them, now he's praying to the Father. This is Jesus praying to the Father. 
I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And, we're, and remember what we're doing. All of this is being said under the heading of we're now saints in God, right? I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. There's the word. Set them apart. Saints. That's where we get our English word uh, saint from. Sanctify. Set them uh, apart. How? By your truth. Your word is truth. So, that's literally what that word uh, saint uh, means. Okay. So, the believer is in the world physically, but not of the world spiritually. You know, one writer suggested, and this, this would, I, I think, accurately uh, describe for us the experience that we've had born again, being born again and entering into this new society of gods. One writer suggested that it's sort of like a scuba diver who exists in an alien environment. Why or how? Because he possesses special equipment. What would be that special equipment? The scuba gear, right? His oxygen tanks and so on. In our case, our special equipment is the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. And it's through him, that is the Spirit, we can function and have victory in this world. But now, a very important question. How did these people that Paul is writing to at Ephesus become saints? And also, how have we become saints as well? Well, the answer is found in two words. And those words are recorded for us in, in both verses 1 and 2. And write these down, faithful and grace. Write those two words down if you're taking notes. Faithful and grace. You see, when Paul addresses his letter to the saints and the faithful in Christ Jesus, he's not addressing two different groups of people. They're one and the same. Let me break this down for you. The word faithful carries along with it the meaning of believers in Christ Jesus who are exercising their faith. He's not talking about you being faithful in obeying implicitly God's word, although that's the goal. I mean, God certainly does want us to obey his commandments implicitly, but that's not the way that an individual becomes a saint of God. It's simply by exercising our faith in Jesus Christ. So therefore, these people were not saved by living faithful lives. I mean, come on, right? The truth be told, it's not on the basis of our performance whereby we've been saved. Thank God, right? The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> oh, talk about, you know, the grace of God. I'll get to that in just a moment. I'll give you a couple of other cross-references. So that word faithful carries along with it the idea of just simply exercising our faith in Christ. So these people were not saved by living faithful lives, although that's what we've been called to do. Don't misunderstand. I'm not, you know, uh, discounting that. And, uh, you know, in our list of priorities, I mean, that's right up there at top, holiness and purity, right? But rather, they simply put their faith in Christ 
and thus they were saved. And this is clear from what we further read in the same chapter, which we're going to get to uh, in the next couple of weeks, but let me preview it for you. Go quickly to verses 12 and 13 of chapter 1. It says that we, that would be you and me, who first trusted in Christ, notice, trusted in Christ, should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Jump ahead to verse 19. It says the same thing. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? So once again, this word faithful carries along with it the idea of simply we become saints through exercising our faith in Jesus Christ. And then the word grace. Remember, I said there were two words. The second word, grace, uh, a little bit of trivia, a little bit of background. This word grace is used 12 times in the book of Ephesians. 12 times in the book of Ephesians. And of course, grace, the literal uh, definition of that word, the unmerited favor of God. In other words, there wasn't anything that we did to deserve that grace, but nevertheless, God poured out his grace upon unbelieving people such as you and I, sinners. And so it refers to the kindness of God towards an undeserving people. Let me give you a couple of cross-references. And I've already gave, given you one. That's Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, by the way, where we are told, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How about this one? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, where there we are told, Jesus became sin for us, who knew no sin. In other words, he died in our place on the cross for our sins, and yet he was sinless. The righteous for the unrighteous. Now also, let's go back to our text here. Notice the latter phrase there also in verse 1, in Christ Jesus. Do you see that there? Underline that if you can, or just you know, make note of it. If you're taking notes, write that phrase down. In Christ Jesus. And this is significant And the reason why I suggest that it's significant, because we see this as a recurring phrase used by Paul. Guess how many times? Anybody want to take a guess? How many times? How many? More. Anybody? 40? No, that's too many. There's only six chapters. 27 times. Did you get it right? Oh, you have my notes. Okay. (laughs) I send my notes to Pastor, and then he broke us. All right. Okay. 27 times he uses the same phrase. So obviously it's very significant. And that phrase, in Christ Jesus, it describes the spiritual position of the believer. That is, in his identity with Jesus Christ. Listen, gang, never see yourself apart from Jesus Christ. So when you feel as if you're so weak, when it feels as if the enemy has got you up against the wall, when you're surrounded with life's problems and difficulties and struggles, particularly at that moment, never see yourself apart from Jesus Christ. He's there with you, and he'll strengthen you. He'll help you. He'll enable you to deal with whatever you have to go through in your life's experience. Why? Because you are in him. You are in Christ. And therefore, you are able to draw upon the wealth of Christ 
for your own daily living. And so, the saints of God. That's how you became a saint. How, how cool is that, right? So now you can refer to me as Saint Mike if you want, okay? <laughs> when you see me, rather than calling me pastor or... Never mind. Now finally, let's talk about the aim of this book. Ephesians certainly has its own personality. You put this book of the Bible alongside of, like, for example, the book of Galatians, which is really all about addressing the theme of legalism, right? So each of the Pauline epistles has its own uh, personality, and such is the case with the book of Ephesians. Its theme and message is actually recorded for us in verse 3. What is that? Well, let's read verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So then this becomes our fourth and our final point this morning, and that is the Christian's riches in Christ. Now I want to break this down for you. Under this heading, the Christian's riches in Christ, first of all, let's talk about the source of our blessing. Let's go back to verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when you and I were born again into God's family as a son and daughter of God, you were born rich. Just like, you know, uh, you know think of uh, being born into the, uh, the family of the Rockefellers or the Kennedys or, you know, who else off the top of my head? Help me out here. Uh, who's someone? The who? Okay. Who said the Trumps? You don't want to... <laughs> I don't know if you want to be born into that family. The Rothschilds, okay? The Kardashians, oh man. Oh my gosh, okay. I don't, I don't know about that, all right. Anyway, okay. So under the, heading, the Christ, uh, under the heading, the Christians' riches in Christ. You just really threw me off with that one. The source of our blessing. When you and I were born again into God's family, listen, you were born rich. And so through Christ, we share in the riches of God's grace, mercy. And as Paul puts it later on, and we're, we're going to really break this down. Listen, I got to tell you, this, this letter is like, we're going to be in this one letter for months. In fact, I think, when is it? Next, next week, I spend an entire message on one verse. That's how comprehensive this book of the Bible is. It's like crazy rich, you know. Paul puts it this way in, Acts, in Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 8. He refers to it as the unsearchable riches of Christ. You see, our Heavenly Father is not poor. He is rich, and He has made us rich in His Son. So going forward, over the next several months, Paul defines for us these riches and how to draw upon them. And so, some really good things to look forward to. But then also, that's the, that's the uh, under, that, under that heading, that's the source of our blessing. But then now let's go on and talk about the scope of our blessing. Go back to verse 3. Notice Paul says, all spiritual blessings. Not some, or a handful, but all spiritual blessings, or rather, more accurately, from the original manuscripts, all the blessings of the Spirit. So the idea here then is the Father has given us every blessing of the Spirit. Everything we need for living a successful, 
satisfying, fulfilling Christian life, which is far more important than the material life. Because in this experience, we're talking about real love. We're talking about real joy. We're talking about real peace. We're talking about real love, contentment, and maybe even more importantly, self-control. I think that's one of the issues that most Christians have the most difficulty with. Self-control, right? And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings our riches to us from the Father through the Son. It's a beautiful picture, think about it, of the Trinity working together in, con- in concert for the benefit of mankind. You know, think of it that way. But you know what? I, 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 I'm sitting down this morning, as I always do, a cup of coffee, sitting in my chair, tweaking the message and stuff, going over it. And I was thinking, you know, people are so confused about what it means or what it looks like for a believer to be someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, more time, and, and it's really, it's these manifestations of the fruit of the Holy Spirit within his, within his or her life. The peace, the love, the joy, the contentment, the satisfaction, and, and such. But uh, some people are all confused about it. They think that it's, you know, someone who's swinging up from chandelier to chandelier, who are doing backflips, who are exercising some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right, uncontrollably, that they think that they have no control over it. But those are the same people who have never really known what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're confused, you see. And... uh, so I just wanted to, you know, maybe clear that up for, for someone. Because I've known a lot of people who exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit who have no joy, who have no peace, who have no love, who have no contentment, really. But they're like, you know, pew hoppers and back flippers and hallelujahs and swinging on chandeliers and, and, uh, and are very condemning at the same time. But, they have, but there's an absence of love, joy, peace, and contentment within their lives. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know it, don't you? Because you've been in those churches before. I don't, know, I don't know what you were doing in them for so long. You should have gotten here a while back, you know. But, but it's so very, very true, right? And so it's the Holy Spirit who is the one who brings our riches to us from the Father through the Son. And not to know or depend upon the Holy Spirit's provision is to live a life of poverty. Remember back in Acts chapter 19? Acts chapter 19 and verse 2. Remember when Paul goes back to Ephesus for the second time, and uh, he's kind of bewildered about the believers there in that city. He knew that they had been converted, and uh, in fact, he was responsible for some of their uh, conversions. And, uh, but he asked an interesting uh, question, and that was, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And notice, this is in the form of a question. In other words, he, he, from just hanging around with the believers, and you probably have experienced this for yourself. You come across someone who claims to be a Christian. You hang out with, oh, hey, brother, I'm a, I'm a believer. Maybe someone at work, or, you know, you connect with that person, and you never knew that they were a Christian before, and, you know, through your conversation. Oh, and so you're hanging out with them, and you're watching them, and, and uh you're listening to their conversations and you're evaluating whether or not they're the real deal or not. You know, you can tell where the, what kind of a background they've come out of. Have they been taught the word of God? You know, where they are in their progression in their relationship with the, with the Lord. 
Well, obviously, Paul, returning to Ephesus, saw that there was something lacking, saw that there was something missing. Maybe it was the joy. Maybe it was the love. Maybe it was their inabilities to overcome sin. Remember Ephesus, talk about, you know, a a difficult place to live, very similar to living here in New York City, right? With all of the temptations and, you know, all of the opportunities to do and choose to do the wrong things, right? And uh, so maybe it was that, that he put his hand on, his finger on it. We don't know. But he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, and this man, you know, blows me away. We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? So obviously these people weren't dependent upon the Holy Spirit for these things that we were talking about. So Paul realized it was the Holy Spirit that was lacking in their lives. You see that? Oh, how that we need to be open to that work of God's Holy Spirit. But then also notice, under this heading... Let's go back to the Christian's riches uh, in Christ. I want you to notice the sphere of our blessing, and it's recorded there in heavenly pl- in verse three, in heavenly places in Christ. Now this may be a little misleading. Uh, Paul is not referring to in heaven one day, but in that experience of oneness with our risen Lord right now. You know, J.B. Phillips. Uh, the great Greek scholar. And if you can get his uh, uh, commentary on the uh, New Testament scriptures, the breakdown of the New Testament uh, scriptures, it, it would be a wonderful uh, addition to your own personal library. He, uh, uh, in verse 3, translates it in this way. Christ has given us every spiritual blessing and benefit as citizens of heaven. So he's referring to in Christ's victory, here and now, that place of the fullness of God's blessing. Listen, it is this fellowship with God that provides the power and direction for our earthly walk. Listen, gang, bottom line, no matter where you are, no matter where you live, whether you're living in Ephesus or L.A., or right here in New York City, whatever you are going to have to face upon this earth in your life's experience, whether it's uh, your battle with materialism or lustful desire, inordinate desire, whatever the case may be, remember this, we are seated together with Christ Jesus. And that is the basis of our spiritual lives and power. Oh, how that we might embrace these things by God's help, by the help of the Spirit, and be rich. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for joining us. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House. Be sure to subscribe and let us know you're a listener in the comments. If you don't have a church that you call home, we'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. 
You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, you can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live-streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to hear today's message again or to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to our continuing study of Ephesians next time, right here on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled. I remember what you said.